0: Welcome to another episode of the Excel Magazine podcast. My name is Diana Olenik and today we're going to be speaking about walkabout mini golf. What is walkabout mini golf? It's an escape into an imaginary world where pretty much everything is possible and at the same time you can play mini golf. It is a place where you can play by yourself, meet someone new, or challenge your friends in a private game with up to eight people, extremely realistic, with physics that create the perfect experience for hardcore golfers and casual players alike. In Walkabout Mini Golf, you can sink a perfect hole-in-one, search for lost balls, unlock hidden clubs, or just relax and take in the views from one of the 16 included courses. The golf, of course, is miniature, but the fun is huge. That's what they say in the page, and I have tried it myself, and it's so fun and engaging. Today, we're going to be speaking with Lucas Martel, who is the executive producer of Mighty Coconut, which is the independent entertainment studio based in Austin, Texas. He's the creator of Walkabout About Mini Golf the hit social VR experience enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of people in 40 nations each week. Lucas Martel is the co-creator of Spice in Disguise, the Fox Blue Sky animated feature starring Will Smith and Tom Holland, and he also participated in the original short film Pigeon, Impossible, as well as The Ocean Maker, who have seen more than 30 million times online and screened at over 350 festivals in 63 countries all around the world. So he is read by Gary Ungar, Exile Entertainment. Um, this has been an amazing journey that he has been shading. And today we're gonna to be speaking about his creation. We talk about mini golf, the challenges, and what is the step by step process that he follows in order to create these amazing experiences. I can't wait to begin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Lucas, for being here today. I am super, super excited. Please let us know how are you doing today Oh th-
1: thanks for having me yeah i'm I'm doing great.
0: Yes, thank you so much. We'd like to know a little bit about your background and perhaps how Mighty Coconut got started.
1: Yeah, so um, so my background is actually well, I was a music major, and then I was interested in film, so I taught myself animation, um, and then I've spent the last probably 15 years mostly working in the animation space, feature animation. Um, I think you probably had mentioned that, yeah, that I had done a short film that got made into a a feature with Blue Sky. So my background is largely, um, yeah, largely in the feature directing and writing space. Um, And then Mighty Coconut started sort of um, on the back of one of those short films. Um, we wanted to kind of keep the band together, and it actually started off doing mostly animation and VFX for films, series, commercials, mostly work for higher stuff, but we were doing a lot of our own stuff. And then at one point during the pandemic, I kind of needed a project to keep my hands busy, and so I started working on this mini-golf game that was kind of largely for for fun, but I had had some early conversations um, with Oculus at the time uh, around the the Quest 1. And so I kind of started doing Walkabout as a solo project on the side, Um, and then we released that in 2020, right, in kind of the height of the pandemic, and now we're a VR game studio. And so, uh yeah, we're kind of taking a lot of the lessons we've learned from animation and applying them over to, yeah, to VR development, game development, and uh yeah, learning all the you know, taking some lessons learned, but also having to learn a lot of new things because it is a very, very different um, process for creating VR.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for mentioning, particularly that. What, what would be the main differences between a traditional animation and when it is transferred to VR or a media like this for someone who is new? That might not be very
1: apparent. I think that the the main thing is that. Animation, um, can tend to be a lot more linear. You start off, you make storyboards, um, then you do layout, then you do animation, you do lighting. Everything kind of tends to have a very sort of like, you could literally take a project, you could look at the very early on the boards and you could be like, okay, there's this many shots. There's this, you know, you rate them on how complex they are and you could pretty accurately predict how big of a team you're going to need for how long, when people are going to ramp up, when people are going to need to start working on another project um, with a pretty high degree of accuracy. Um, And things tend to flow in a very modular state. We're like, okay, we've got the, we've got the character rig set up. These can go to the animators. We You start unlocking very specific things for specific people. Um, Whereas game development Tends to be a bit more everyone can be in there all at once at the same time working on stuff. There's also a lot more you've got to get things further along, um, in the design process before you know whether they're going to work or not. Um, particularly for gameplay, there's a good number of things that like until you can actually play it, you don't know whether it's going to be fun or not. Whereas in, in film, a lot of times you can write the script and if, you know, the writer director, and look at it and be like, okay, yes, that's gonna work, or no, that's not. Um, so there just tends to be a, a lot more work that you need to done before to a lot more work that needs to be done before you're a hundred percent certain that what you have is the thing that you actually need to be spending time polishing. Um and that comes with a lot of changes in just sort of like how the team is structured, how you how you just run a a a project and um And yeah, where, where you spend your time doing it. So it just, it kind of requires a big rethink from where we were at with linear as a more animation focused thing.
0: Mm, Yeah, that sounds, Mm -hmm. that sounds, yeah, that sounds great that you uh, expanded particularly on that and how it is not only the impact in the technicals, how new things come to the place, Mm -hmm. like optimization, which is different for this type of format Mm -hmm. uh, compared to animations that can be played in a computer, uh, Mm -hmm. but also the actual project management point of view of how now the teams work together, which ultimately also impacts the operations of the whole yeah. of the whole studio.
1: Yeah, well and and also something that is sort of uh very different and very unique particularly for for our game for Walkabout Minigolf is that uh in the film world we're also very used to something being you get it done, there's a release date, it's done, it's out, it never changes again. Whereas Walkabout is constantly evolving and we're constantly going back and reworking stuff that we had before or adding new features that suddenly we need to think of like, wait, how is this going to impact that other thing that we had created way back in the day? And so there's a lot more. Um I kind of equ- equate what we're doing with, with Walkabout, but game development in, in general, it kind of feels like the plane is in the air but you're still out on the wing tinkering with the engine to make sure that it that it works or doing an upgrade like while you're still at 30,000 feet. Um Kind of feels like what we're doing a lot of the time. So, yeah, that's a very, very big difference from from animation.
0: Oh, yes, for sure. And have you been working in animation experiences in VR where, let's say, part of the storytelling in the, the user has to participate in the actual story or narrative? Have you been working in those ones, or do you have the plans to do that?
1: Um, yes and no. I've done a little bit of, of stuff in that space. We've done a couple of other projects that weren't traditional VR, but there was actually a story-based game um, called 57 Degrees North that was for the Merge Cube. I don't think I even have one. I wish I had one handy that I could show you. Um, but that wasn't sort of traditional VR. Um, and. I've also done some writing for VR companies as well for more story-driven stuff. And there are things that work really, really well for it. It definitely feels like VR is a new medium and particularly for storytelling in VR. It still feels like everyone is trying to figure out, again, unlike film where like there's a script, there's a standard format. Everyone knows sort of like how you could sort of like, there's a lot of tools in terms of how you tell stories in film um, with VR it's still so new. Everyone's trying different things. There's no sort of like set way you can sort of grab like, Oh, this thing worked really well for that project over there. And this thing worked really well for that project over there. But, Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, uh, it's, it's so new that there there just isn't a big library of stuff to pull from. So it's a lot of invention. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, and so, yeah, I, we definitely want to do, want to keep, Doing stuff with that. We've done a little bit with walkabout, just in like the fox hunts, which are basically treasure hunts that are happening in the hard mode of each course that, um, you find a, a clue and you can look on your wrist and read the next clue. And so we do little bits of storytelling with that, but that's much more environmental, more traditional game design stuff. But it's, it's definitely something that's really interesting and I want to play around with it, around with it more.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, that would be amazing. I'm pretty sure you're going to do. Incredible things. <laughs> so, um, speaking particularly about work about mini golf, mm-hmm. what were the main challenges that you found like coming, you know, from the animation industry and creating our mm-hmm. game, which is another format as we've been speaking. Mm-hmm. What have been the main challenges at creating these mechanics? Because physics, the physics for mm-hmm. golf, is always that, in the real world it's a little challenging. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine, you know, in VR. What what were the main challenges there?
1: Uh yeah, I mean definitely physics is always sort of like one of the challenges. It's an area that we spend a good bit of time really dialing in. Um luckily we've gotten back to the point now that the the system largely works and we we intentionally don't change it because the couple of times that we've tried to improve things, um, mm-hmm. even though it might technically be more realistic, it doesn't work the way people have gotten used to. And it's way more important to keep things the same because people have spent a lot of time mastering courses or mastering trick oh. shots and everything. And if the physics changes, mm-hmm. um, you can't necessarily notice that it's not realistic. It's like, oh, yeah, there was a little too much air resistance that mm-hmm. no one is actually really going to notice that. Things like that that we actually needed to intentionally not um, not make more realistic. Um, but yeah, physics was always a challenge. Um, I think that we've been pretty lucky um, in that mini golf is a fairly well-defined sort of experience. Um, and I think where we, um, one of the larger challenges is actually around sort of like taking the idea and doing new things with it. Um, and so we've got a lot more courses. So the Mist, um, course just launched and that one in particular was essentially sort of taking mini golf and putting it into Mist, the 93 video game, that puzzle solving heavy mechanics stuff where like you can hit a trigger with your ball and suddenly the course changes shape and makes mm-hmm. different things happen. Um, that's one of those things that seems like, okay, that's a very simple thing, but you add in multiplayer and suddenly now you've got this, Big giant machine that changes the shape the shape of the course and it needs to work so that when it's someone else's turn that everything gets reset into the right spots um little things like that multiplayer really really adds a lot of complication it's harder to test it's harder to um uh it's it's you just have to think about a lot of sort of like very sort of like unique uh edge cases that I'd probably put multiplayer sort of like right up there as sort of like the one of the most difficult things to do
0: yeah wow yes thank you for expanding on that Mm
1: -hmm. yes
0: definitely people right now i see many people experimenting with their apps allowing more the social aspect bringing Mm -hmm. more people in and i've seen repeatedly a little bit of uh, challenges there sometimes yeah Mm -hmm. thank you so um, what has been the most exciting project that you've been working on Mm-hmm. And why <laughs> maybe that's a difficult question
1: uh I mean well, for me, whatever uh I'm most excited about whatever project I'm working on currently, so currently walkabout is definitely the most exciting mm-hmm. um that's it's also been a lot of fun because we're getting to kind of reinvent the wheel each time and that we've kind of got this engine, and we're not well, I say it's the opposite of that actually um we've got we've got so many things working that now we're able to really sort of like, okay, what if we did a course set? I'm not even going to say it because we've got a lot of courses in development, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we're able to sort of come up with some fantastical worlds and mm. dive right into creating them. And that was always the world building aspect was always my favorite part of the writing process, even for film. Um And now it kind of feels like we get to do that, you know, five, six, seven times a year. Um, with all these different courses that we're working on, we kind of get to invent that world and we get to play in it. But we're also not spending so much time, like especially with the feature film, it's super common that if you're directing a feature, you're going to be spending five years living in just that project. And with us, we get to it's all mini golf, but we get to invent this cool little world and go visit it for a few months. But then it's done and we get to go and visit a totally new world and then it's done. So that's probably the thing that I'm most um excited about and having the most fun with it at the moment
0: yeah, that's amazing, yeah, yeah, it must be like that feeling of there is all always something always something new that can be created out of that, like with the animation it's static it's just one and it's you know goes, mm-hmm. but this one it's a lot of creativity that can continue so mm-hmm. that that is that is exciting, and mm-hmm. in terms of um your uh your, the ways that you work with your team, uh, mm-hmm. what, what challenges do, do you find when working with the team now for a game as opposed to before? Uh, I mean, you already mentioned about the, the different, the difference between working all together at the same time, but does people work mm-hmm. remotely or how, how does, how does it work?
1: I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge is that we are pretty much all remote. Um, mm-hmm. we are actually in my, uh, a new office here that, that we've got, but there's only a two or three of us that are sort of regularly in this office. Um, most of us are spread out all over the country. We've even got a couple of people who work with us who are um, around the world. So the remote aspect of it is probably the most challenging in terms of working together. Um, it means that there's usually a lot more meetings and just uh, you have to spend more time. You don't get that sense of like, Oh, if I just sort of like walk around the studio you really get a really good sense of where people are where people are at, what they're doing. You can even spot sort of issues. Um, you have to be a little bit more proactive um, when everyone is working remotely. Um, at the same time, we've also sort of gotten to a point where I feel a lot more comfortable with that and we've figured out what works and what doesn't. And one of the big benefits is that because we are doing a VR social multiplayer game. Um when we need to go take a look at a course or we need to do a review on something, a lot of times we're just able to hop into a game on one of our development builds and literally just like fly around the course, just like you would do a location scout and film. So yeah, you literally just like, oh, we need to move that over there to make a sight line to this next area that we need to see. You could literally just like point to it and everyone can you know, have a conversation. So um when we are in VR together, it actually does very much feel like we're kind of in the same place. So um that's more luck than anything else that we just happen to have that, you know, that we actually get to use the the game that we're making as our collaboration tool for a lot of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Did you... Uh, did you get inspired by golf yourself, playing golf? Like, are you an avid golf player that inspired you to create Walkout Mini Golf, or what was the reason?
1: You know, I, I, I've i played, like, regular golf. Um, I was on the high school team. Um, I actually haven't played real golf in uh, probably four or five years. Um, but, yeah, I did enjoy it back in the day. I always loved going mini golfing. Um, when I was a kid, especially, uh, even now that we're doing this, I've definitely sought out a couple of other mini golf courses just for inspiration or just to take my kids to. Um, but yeah, I always enjoyed it. And to be honest, I think that, uh, I remember when I was a kid, even in the living room, it'd be fun to take toys and just like, oh, well, I'll make a little mini golf hole or a little mini golf course. Um, I always liked the building aspect of it, um, as much as anything else. And, Something about it just sort of clicked and it was definitely uh, a surprise that this is sort of, that it, this has turned into as big of a project as it has. Cause when you just say it on the surface, mini golf and VR doesn't seem like that should be sort of like as, as big of a thing as it, as, mm-hmm. as it turned out to be, but it just works really, really well in the space. And again, I think a lot of it does come down to the world building aspect mm-hmm. and mini golf just tends to be this really fun, perfect format that there is a physical challenge. It's just the right amount of activity. You can take it as seriously as you want, or you could just get in there and kind of screw around and have a good time. And the fact that you are moving through the space either by yourself or with whoever you are, whoever you're playing with, um, really adds a lot to the experience. So, uh, for me, yeah, I, I, I was a golfer and I did enjoy a bit of that, but it was always, um, it, that's almost become more of the format or more of the vehicle to allow us to do a lot of this cool, cool world building.
0: Yeah. Great. When you mention world building, which is mm-hmm. makes a, a whole, like a lot of the experience, do you actually intervene in the design of the worlds or do you have some, someone else taking care of that? How does it work?
1: So the way that we hatch these is that, um, so I was the person who did the first like four or five courses Wow. Um, and now there are actually sort of three of us. Um, so uh, Don Carson is sort of our senior designer, um, and he works both on paper and in uh, Gravity Sketch, a VR sculpting program, um, uh-huh. to actually sort of like we design a lot of these actually in VR, in Gravity Sketch. So literally the three of us uh, – sorry, let me finish that. Uh, so Don Carson is more on the design side of things, and then uh, Henning Kachi is handling a lot of the gameplay. Um, and now I sort of, there are still a few courses that I get to do more hands on stuff. Some things are more sort of like, I help hatch the initial idea, but generally the three of us get together about once every three or four months and we actually design over the course of a week, typically four or five courses. Wow. Um, and they're still pretty loose, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have an idea of like, of what this course is, of what the setting is going to be, what the rough layout is going to be, and probably even Um, a little bit about what the gameplay is going to be like and how the gameplay is going to be different from other courses that we have done. Um, but we, early on, we kind of hatch all of those together. And then that's great because then Henning can work on the gameplay and Don can do sketches and do more layout stuff and really sort of hone in some of the, some of the more world building aspects of that. Um, and then like I said, every once in a while I get to jump in. So I'm still pretty involved at least in that early on, but, um, once it gets past that early stage, I'm, I'm unfortunately able to do a little less and less of the, of the actual sort of like modeling and building and all that sort of detailed stuff.
0: Mm, I'm gonna have a question about that in a moment, like your mm-hmm. your your other functions or or, or things mm-hmm. that you love to do. But when you mention Gravity Sketch, mm-hmm. do you use it purely just for prototyping, or do you actually get to be in part of that 3D models and then you transfer them to another platform to refine them even better? How how is the pipeline there? Because that's yeah, interesting uh... using that that tool.
1: Yeah, so we do it for, for both. What we have found is that we tend to use gravity sketch in certain phases for different things. So it usually starts off from an early design phase. We tend to get in there, but that tends to be very sketchy. And even though we're sometimes actually doing models, um, we tend to, at that phase, it's really, really important to work very loosely because you don't want to lock things down to the point. Like the whole point is figuring it out and things need to change and you need to, not be too precious about it. So it's all about working fast and loose. And one of the things that we have found is that we always start off with just the pen tool, like not even trying to make polygons, like literally just like sketch out the shape of it. There's going to be a thing here, work as quickly and as loose as possible. Um, Just like you would, if you were doing charcoal sketches, work fast, loose, really just sort of rough in the shapes. Um, And then um, after that, it will usually go into blender and we'll do some more detailed work. We'll actually get it playable and then at a certain point, um, s- certain aspects of it, especially if it's anything organic. Um, so if you've got a world or the level is largely um, uh, more organic, like right now, um, I'm not spoiling anything too much because we've already announced that we're doing Journey to the Center of the Earth. Surprise! It's a lot of caves. That is something that Gravity Sketch is fantastic because you can bring in our rock library and actually almost all of that course was done in Gravity Sketch because Mm -hmm. very organic. I can place rocks around to create the thing. I can um, do some subdivision modeling even to sort Mm -hmm. of um, really sort of get in there and even like oh well, this shape is almost perfect, but it doesn't quite meet the green in the right way. Let's soft select a couple of points up in order to create the embankment that we want for the ball to roll across. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for some courses are almost entirely gravity sketch. Other ones, it's only more of that upfront, and then it needs to be more traditionally modeled for more hard surface stuff. Like in, and Blender is mostly what we're used for that.
0: I'm super excited to hear about uh, using Blender. I also use Blender, Gravity mm-hmm. Sketch, uh, all, all these tools. Do you do then your post-processing in Unity? Just now now, now that we're speaking about uh, mm-hmm. tools, that's how you, you do the pipeline? Now you're finishing? Yeah.
1: It, yeah, it tends to go back and forth between Gravity and Blender. We've got a couple of pipeline tools that one of the things that we do differently is that because we really want to be able to control the world, and we need to be able to move points around. What most video games would do is that they would probably build an asset library Bring that into Unity and then place everything within Unity. Mm -hmm. Um, however, with what we're doing, most of the stuff that's in the world, even the stuff that's animated, we're kind of, we're kind of doing it in place, um, because, um, it's unlike a traditional game where you've got a lot of AI or you've got a lot of breakable things. A lot of the world is sort of, is a bit more static. Um, and so what we've done is, we really have the entire course exists within a Blender file and the entire thing gets exported to Unity at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then we have some pipeline tools that run scripts that will basically add all the functionality we need based off of some naming codes that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that we're doing that is way more probably how you would do a traditional film pipeline. But what that does allow us to do is it allows us to utilize gravity sketch to really do all of that, that really nice VR placement and even soft selecting things into place um It just tends to feel a lot more custom and a lot more handcrafted um, than if – because in Unity normally you would be limited just to like, okay, here's the object and here's the couple of variants I have of this one object. You can move them around, but you can't like – with golf, it's really – mini golf, it's really important, but like, oh, I just need to take this – there's too easy of a shot here. I just need to move this edge like three inches that way in order to, uh, to make it – to to improve the gameplay and sort of block off a cheap shot that would sort of make the whole boring um so that's that's kind of how we're doing it that allows us to have some flexibility
0: wow super super exciting I'm so thrilled to have heard all of these amazing um uses that you have for incorporation mm-hmm. of the tools that you use etc it's been amazing um mm-hmm. Yeah. How people can find these experiences that you are doing? Where, where do you want people to find any of the, of the experiences that you've been?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, if you go to mighty coconut, mighty that will, um, that's all of our, that's our studio. You can find all the games right there. Also walkaboutminigolf.com. We'll just take you to the actual page. Um but yeah, we're on, we're on quest rift steam. We've got a bunch of other platforms in the works. So, uh, so yeah, if you have a headset, uh just check us out right on the right on the headset.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I just wanted to mm-hmm. highlight very quickly something that I saw that it was pretty cool, and is that years ago you decided to do a destination pro- uh, production, the, the mm-hmm. Ocean Master. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, hopefully one day you do it again. We will be watching you from another island in the world. <laughs> You know, it. we
1: kind of do a little bit of that right now because when we get to, uh, because we're remote, we do tend to get groups of people together. Um We haven't gone to Belize, but that's largely because a lot of us have kids and we just can't leave the country. Pandemic didn't help with that. Yeah. Uh, but we do sort of design retreats. It's so more like a week wow. that we'll all get together and we'll go someplace fun. And yeah, it's a similar idea, just not quite as grand as when we all, yeah, when we took, uh, there were, Eight animators for seven weeks was wow. How the Ocean Maker got made on a little island off the coast of Belize.
0: But that was such a great idea. And actually, <laughs> I find it that I wanted to mention it. So we have sort of the reminder that developers and, and teams shouldn't be just about doing the thing, right? Like should be mm-hmm. around in the nature, exploring, uh, getting inspired mm-hmm. with other places. So thank you for for yeah. creating that also as well. So just uh, mm-hmm. as you can see now, people is watching and enjoying those experiences as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's also on the website. Yeah. If you look up Ocean Maker on there, you can see the whole behind the scenes of how we made that one. <laughs> That's
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Lucas. and. uh is there anything else that you wish I had asked you today?
1: Uh, no, that everything was great. Thank you so much, Diana.
0: Okay. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode.
1: Bye for now.